0: This week's episode is a chat with filmmakers, producers, Fenton Bailey and Randy Barbato. You might know one of their productions. Well, first of all, they have a production company called World of Wonder. And World of Wonder uh, produces and created uh, RuPaul's Drag Race. So that's a pretty small, giant, awesome show. But um, we also talk about bazillion other things. Um... And a lot of political stuff And I really love this conversation I, I really love these, this conversation What interesting people And I hope you love it too Thank you,
1: friends I've been feeling wrong But i on I know, I know, I know It's careless
2: You
0: feel, you feel good with those headphones yeah. on? Everybody's feeling relaxed? Yeah And ready for coffee? <sharp inhale> well, on this show, I have folks introduce themselves Will you introduce yourself? Self, You're not one
2: entity. Single well, single people, human, do think sometimes that we are one entity. Actually, right. Uh, um, but no, we're different entities. I'm Fenton Bailey, uh, one half of World of Wonder, and I'm Randy Barbato,
0: the other half of World of Wonder. And I know what World of Wonder is, but oh, could you yeah. maybe also give some context about what? Hey, what, what, is? what is World of Wonder? <laughs>
2: Well, I wonder, is a production company, uh, an independent production company, perhaps one of the few remaining uh, independent production companies that Randy and I started a long time ago, and I guess we're best known for our unscripted, like, mm, RuPaul's Drag Race? I
0: was going to (sighs) say, you have... have, an extremely big hit that i have that at the end runs the world of wonder card so i'm sure people have even seen it if they don't mm-hmm. realize that's but then that's Randy and
2: i really started out making documentaries uh
0: yeah i want to i want to hear
2: you know i want to hear about this hey maple thought look at the pictures and oh we just made dozens of docs that's what we love i mean, we love drag race too, of
1: course And million dollar listings and yeah. we love everything we do we we we're do. we're a production company that's sort of um, driven by passion, and like Fenton said, we are one of the few remaining independent ones and will continue to be one of the few remaining independent ones because we do what we want to do.
0: And you have a few projects that are about to come out. Do you want to name those things right now or, or talk about anything that you have coming up?
1: We actually have a really exciting doc series on the air right now on Sundance, the Sundance Network uh, called Ministry of Evil. Uh, which we did with Peacock Productions. And it is also incredibly timely because it's about a cult, and it reminds us – it's about a very scary cult. And and I think it's a, a reminder of what can happen when people um, are lured in by dubious, mm. charismatic mm. leaders.
0: Mm. Uh-huh. Sure. I – you evil fuckers du- dubious <laughs> right people who get uh, just so much uh, credit for their ability to speak while making no sense at all it's just incredible oh the freedom God, yes. that that provides if you're not if you don't if you are not required to ever repeat yourself, back yourself up, or make any sense, boy, can you be charismatic when you just yeah. are allowed to say
1: but it's, anything. But isn't it strange that that's, like, that's where we are right now? It is now. very strange, yeah. It's And, and I'm not sure how, how if we're ever going to be able to turn back. Like, I mean, I think we'll be able to move forward, but I don't know where we're going to move to. <laughs> well, I, I mean, from, no turning back.
0: for me, sometimes it feels like it does feel a little bit like a last vestige of because because if if people are saying uh, like, oh, man, somebody who really thinks how I think I, I don't know that that's well, actually, I do know stati- that's not true, because if you just look at the votes, most people didn't feel that right. way. So mm-hmm. we are moving in a direction yeah. in terms of whether or not the particular way that that you know yes
1: and and probably because of the progress and because of the direction that hopefully we are moving in this is this terrifying last gasp of yeah like that yeah but it's tight, a long gasp
0: it I is right. man what a
1: gasp uh, uh, i You're was right.
2: reading over the weekend this book uh, empire evolution um i think it's by chris hedges and this book was written in 2009 and he's talking all about the rise of selfie culture and the sort of uh, uh the American soft spot uh soft spot for cults and you know going all in with charismatic leaders and celebrities and you're thinking in 2009 that you've reached the sort of he is around the time Michael Jackson died and he's sort of everything he says you think well yeah that's obvious it can't get any worse and then wow this is a book that's already 10 years old whoever knew or could have imagined that we would have as one of these celebrity crooks, we'd have one of them as president. It's just unbelievable. So, yeah, I'm not quite sure where it goes. And hopefully it is almost over, but uh, maybe not. Yeah.
0: I'm curious because, I mean, here we are having this, like, in-depth political conversation. It's been, it's not even seven minutes into the (laughs) podcast. And you are talking about the projects that you're working on, which are these very, I mean, at the very least, uh, cult and a museum at the base of the Statue of Liberty, these are like, to say nothing of tone, they're like serious topics. So what is it like to continue to work and make projects like that when you're known for, I mean, do you consider like, like what would, like RuPaul's Drag Race is like just a a runaway hit is I think how I would categorize it. Like it's. But also I think it's,
2: I do think, I mean, without getting too heavy about it, I mean, I do think it's always been uh, essentially not ne- the show ne- not necessarily a political show but i do think randy and i have always loved drag and i think it's always been more of an activist or um a serious political force hmm, maybe not maybe i mean maybe activism and politics are the wrong words here but i think it's always been a serious art form and even in its most absurd and comedic iterations I still think it's making a very serious point. And I think that often the humor behind drag gets mistakenly marginalized as being trivial or just fun entertainment, when in fact it's very annihilating and culturally it's very powerful. And and so in a way, yes, some of these projects like Ministry of Evil and the Statue of Liberty are more pointedly political than we've done before. But I do think... A lot of our work has always been engaged with the culture in quite radical in quite radical ways. Yeah.
0: I mean, first of all, no argument I'm a stand-up comic outside of this job so no no argument for me that there is a strong political uh, Reason to make art that's honest. Well, you know, especially if you're a queer person, right? Exactly.
2: Mm -hmm. And camp. I I, again, you know, this year the theme of the Met Ball is uh, Susan Sontag's Notes on Camp, which is itself a absurdly camp camp thing. But camp is a really powerful force, and the idea that's just a sort of a gay, swishy, coded sense of humor really fails to appreciate the power of camp because camp basically says, fuck you to everything. It's very punk. Um, Yeah. Yeah.
1: Mm. And I also just think that um, what we do, like part of what we do is we get in, you know, we try and make stuff about people or ideas that inspire us and, it used to be; it's it still is, but not as much. But it used to be that many of those people were were not included in the media that you saw or on TV. And so, I think even just you know RuPaul's Drag Race, just just by sort of you know pointing the camera at these amazing artists, um, it, it's it sort of it includes it's more inclusive. There are more people that are more visible, and visibility. I mean, it's corny, but visibility. Um, Is contributes to progress. And so in that respect, I think, um, you know, it's not necessarily a political show, but it's an important one.
0: Well, right. I think I wasn't even saying necessarily um, political or not political, but maybe Mm -hmm. more, maybe the word more is like, it's just um, overtly fun. It's just like an overtly fun show and it's um, goofy and silly. And that's why- it maybe is so good at moving the needle because it's doing it in a secret way, uh,
1: you know. Like that's And the number one goal, I mean, you know, well, entertaining people is really important to yeah. everybody who works on that show. You know, there and and it does take a village, and it's an amazingly talented village. And with you know RuPaul and Tom Campbell sort of at the at the helm of it, sort of always drilling down to make things funnier and funnier and funnier. And then the cast brings the heart and brings all the other stuff. But like, if it isn't funny, it's it like it kind of why why do it? At least, at least with with uh, you know, uh, in terms of RuPaul's Drag Race, it's sort of like it has to deliver on that level.
0: Yeah, I want to ask you guys about where where you're from. Where are you from? Where are you both from? Where'd you grow up?
2: I grew up in England. Uh, I was like
0: thinking, <laughs> "Hey,
2: in a little town called that, that guy
0: has a bit of an accent." Yeah. yeah, no, that's great.
2: But I'm I'm an American now.
0: Yeah, yeah. How, when did you move here? When uh,
2: 1982. I actually literally met Randy three days after arriving. Oh, wow.
0: In the states. Okay, where are you from?
1: I'm from New Jersey. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Fenn and I met at, we were going to uh, NYU Graduate Film School. And we oh, met wow. Sort of the first day and started working together then. And, yeah. In fact,
2: funnily enough, one of the first projects we had to do was make us uh, tell a story with a slideshow, right? And, and the, the one Randy and I did was um, involve the Statue of Liberty.
1: Yes, it did. hmm
2: So. You got there. Something, yeah, yeah. It took a minute. Right? Yeah.
0: And how do you both identify uh, mm. as humans? Like, um, oh, either, gay. yeah, 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 gay? yeah. Gay. yeah. yeah okay. So I'm, here's what I'm asking. Here's yeah. why I'm asking that. It's like 82 New York. What a why was it wild, what a wild time to show up specifically if you're coming from another country or like where you grew up in, um, Jersey, big city, small town. What kind of small town?
1: And small, then like New York city was like going to Europe or something. And like when that. did you show up there? Um, in New York? Yeah. In 82. I mean, I yeah. I, yeah. What a wild time for
0: you both to arrive from a small town or from a different place. Like, that's such a, yeah. What you, you, you touched down, you met each other. What was the, what were you doing at night? What were you doing mm. with your, with well, we your time? would used
2: to we used to uh, have an editing class that was like, oh, what was it, like six to eight or something? And I remember sometimes we'd just cut the editing class and go to the Pyramid Club for Happy Hour, where they made these gin and tonics, I remember, or vodka tonics. But it was basically just a glass of vodka with a splash of tonic. I mean, I, like, I would never had anything quite like it in my life. And then, what then?
1: Well, we, I mean, we were in the heart of the East Village, so we were very, we got sucked into the drag scene. Like, we, you know, the pyramid was just filled with drag queens. That's where we met so many people who we're still friendly with. Um, and we used to, so we used to do, go out clubbing. I mean, we, we didn't party as much as the people we hung out with. We always got up early in the morning. Um, but it was a really exciting time to be in New York. It was like the art scene was exploding and you could, you know, these days in New York, you can't even afford to live there. <laughs> I mean, it really was. But it was the art scene, time. wasn't it?
2: That was a big thing that was really Felt like it was really there was like a gallery on every corner, and it it didn't really sustain. I mean, I guess Jeff Koons came out of it, and Keith Haring, and Basquiat, but it there were so many more artists, and it it's funny thing that hasn't really been sort of documented really is is how the emphasis was on art and not so much on music. I mean, even though you know Madonna appeared around that time too, right?
0: That is that's really. Well, I'm listening to. I just happen to be listening to Just Kids right now. Um, oh, yeah. I like the audiobook, mm-hmm. which is also read by Patty Smith, and um, it's you know this is a little bit like I think some of the stuff is happening in like '76 or whatever, mm, so it's like uh-huh. a little bit prior to what you're talking about, but certainly setting the scene yes. for what then you're going to walk into. And I'm glad you pointed that out because it is like it's very weird. Uh, just Kids is is her like I guess memoir, but mostly about her life with. Robert Mapplethorpe, and it's an interesting thing because I can't even tell if it feels name-droppy. Like, it's like, I don't know if you've read it or anything, but it's, but like, um... It feels a
2: bit name-dropping, actually. That's a funny thing, though. You can
1: never – Patti Smith has so much sort of credibility. Exactly. And she's such a high priestess of everything. (laughs) You can't accuse her of being, like, a name-dropper or – but she kind of was. And she was, like – I mean, I love her dearly. But, you know, she was like a a club kid. Right. It was all about getting in, you know, what club she was going to be in and who was sitting in the back room versus the front room and – I think that's what stuck out to me is like, I can't
0: tell if it's name droppy because I can, because this was definitely her life. Like, it, you know, definitely all the people that she knows and had uh, relationships with. And there does seem to be, it's like this strong artist community um, that where it's like, oh, no, this is just everybody knew everybody and and was working together. I feel like um, that's like not the vibe when I go to New York. I mean, I certainly know other comics but well, it feels I like an 70s, industry town in a really different way. Yes. Yeah. You know, it yeah. does not feel like a punk rock uh, art town to me anymore.
2: Right. Yeah. And I think in the 70s, it was definitely a much smaller group of people. I mean, I really do think that it was a sort of a handful of people who did know each other. And I think by the 80s, it was getting exponentially bigger. I think, you know, downtown club culture had become kind of... Um, a business or a, or a thing. It wasn't just a few artists, oh, like, that's interesting. let's open Be- a club, you know?
1: Because a lot of the 70s, like, they, it, it, you know, people were reading about it. L- younger people were reading about what was going on and the explosion in the Velvet Underground, and it became this kind of an Andy Warhol. And I think, I think people were drawn to New York. And so it became, uh, you know, by the 80s, it was like, it was this open door policy, you could come there and you could become famous and you could become an artist, you could, you know, sort of do anything.
0: And what was the interaction, like, I just don't know the answer to this. Um, gay folks, well, I guess that this also could mean a, a bunch of different things, because, like, gay men, I guess, is specifically who I'm asking about. Like, gay men um, in the East Village, like, mixing in with how much overlap is there between, like, the straight bar where there's punk going on and the gay bar down the street where there's like drag going on in your guys' experience. Did you feel like it was all mixed in, like queerness was accepted or did you feel like we were kind of I in think our own there, places? I
1: think there was some of that, especially on the East side mm. because I, because I remember that like, we, like, the the west side, just for a minute, but there was, like, the west side gays were different than were. the east side gays. It, it was right? like we a generational, like all, yes. it
2: was a territorial divide and a generational divide. Not that it was hostility, it was just the west village gays felt of different generations mm-hmm. so the west village
0: was those are the older gays who've made it is that what i am uh, yes, yes. kind of
2: i mean it's a world speaking How in generalities s- but, yes. yeah. but sweeping generalities sweeping, so and don't then, anybody uh, attack us and then the we're east, just having a
1: conversation no no we're just
0: chatting culture no, but vague, yes. cu- vague <laughs> culture. nobody's going to no. take this personally oh they will uh, oh yes they will <laughs> well no because i'm going to defend i'm going to, what i'm going to do is back you up by saying i think that that same thing still exists like in every city that i go yeah. to i mean it exists here in it's like West east side, Hollywood
1: and... Uh, and Eastside and and
0: gays? Like Eastside, literally like and, queers. Like queers live on the Eastside Side gays live on the west side. Yeah, well, I, almost to When, you, kind of when level. you said, when but, you
1: in, initially, th- let's back this up to the beginning hmm. of the interview, because I kind of identify more as queer than gay. Yeah, that's. So, I'm, I'm
0: so curious about, you know, like weird right, words people you? use, things right. like that, yeah.
2: Well, and, and I think that, so the East Village was like more punk, right? Mm-hmm. And the West Village was more clones, yes. right? The, the West Village was more village people, YMCA, mm-hmm. and the East Village was more Book of Love or... Uh, uh,
1: mm, Delight Delight, yeah, yeah.
0: And <laughs> yeah. like different clothes even Like different clothes oh, Like yeah. different like Because that's how I, f- I feel I mean one thing that is I think such a common misconception Is like that we all live In the same neighborhood still And that we're all consuming The exact same culture Or mm-hmm. like have the same gods And I you know we just really don't And that's what's cool That's what I love about doing this podcast Is talking to people Like, like where do you What neighborhoods
1: or areas in Where do you live now? I, I live in Los Angeles Los Feliz. Oh, so and do I. Yeah. So, so yeah. my neighborhood is that. It's Silver Lake. It's yeah. the East. I'm an East Side person. Yeah. Like I, I think we've always been East Side. Yeah. More East Side. Even though you're in Hancock Park, which but, like you,
0: Well, us. Hancock Park's like undefinable. What is yeah. that? That's I, that's, that's, like that's living
1: in New Jersey. Yeah, that's just right. an undefinable like a nice place. Of <laughs> but, not, but yeah,
0: East. Uh, so East Side Queers versus like West Side Gay is like that's. That's very real. It's you would not you would not maybe go to the same events, and you maybe wouldn't watch the same TV. You oh know? my God! Mm-hmm. Uh, you know,
2: and, and going back, you know, I'm just thinking about Fire Island. There was Cherry Grove, versus. which was versus the Pines, and mm. the Pines was like Calvin Klein and beautiful minimal interiors and. It was sort of money gays. We and, were
1: more Cherry Grove. <laughs> Cherry
2: Grove was caftans standing around the piano banging out shows. And tunes. also
1: more integrated uh, with, with gays and lesbians. Mm. Like Cherry Grove, at least 100 years ago, I'm talking, because we only went there a couple times.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But. Well, this is going to be my next great follow-up question. Okay, this era that we're talking about, where are lesbians? Are the, 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 Do you know those people? Are they around you? Are they in the same clubs or bars mm. at all?
2: Well, because I mean, I can only speak – I just haven't been to a nightclub mm. practically in living memory. But, like, <laughs> like in,
0: in, like, but, 82, you showed oh, in – 82, in, well, was, it
2: was, was everyone was like, – it was all one
0: – Was it all one, yeah, one group of people?
2: Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I think, in a way, also, that's a natural consequence of, uh, as Randy says, visibility, that as we become more visible, as we become more accepted, so nuanced – rather than just being in one bucket, you know, everyone was just like, oh – they're queer, you know, gay, lesbian, trans. Everyone was basically in one bucket. Mm. And I think it's a measure of the success in a way and of the cultural acceptance that we've been able to recognize each other and the differences within our community, you know. lot yeah. tri- Lots of little tribes. Right.
0: You know? I mean, I like I, I grew up in Chicago. So when I would have been like, a, you know, in my 20s, at a time when I would have left the house at night, To do to do an event, (laughs) Uh, like lesbians and gay men did not go to the same like the same hangouts or neighborhoods, like maybe at all. There was like Andersonville's where lesbians went, and then the gay men went to Boys Town, and then like the hip art queers with weird haircuts probably lived in Logan Square. It's like literally three. Places that maybe mm-hmm. didn't even touch each other. So I'm curious about
1: that. I line. mean, I think it was it was kind of like that in New York. I mean, it really was. And then but I feel like we were sort of traveling we were spending most of our time on the east side, but there was like Henrietta's, which we would go to with our lesbian friends. Like, it, you know, but Henrietta it was, Hudson? Yeah, yeah.
0: I, I went there recently because I was just you know, there is no dedicated
1: lesbian bar in LA I heard, anymore? I yeah. There's no, nothing.
0: No. Like, I mean, there's, it's like, it's not like we're like not invited or whatever, but like Henrietta Hudson's like, this is like a lesbian bar. Mm-hmm. There's like a triangle on the you know thing yep. and everything. This is a lesbian bar. Um, but that doesn't exist. So I went there into the cubby hole and- Yeah, we used to go to the cubby yeah, hole. Yeah. And then but, also just a stone wall, just like on a little, a little walking, uh, walking around mm-hmm. lesbian pub crawl of two bars. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I've been to Henrietta Hudson's. Yeah,
1: is Henry Henry Hudson's it's is still there? Still there? Yeah.
0: yeah, or at least as of last year. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But yeah, still there. Covey Hole still there. Yeah, which is cool.
1: It's kind of weird how like um, I don't want to get political. No, I don't, get political. No, no. Come but on. just just this how important it is for different groups to kind of identify themselves and to be visible. And and I think we've spent the last sort of 20 years with um, many, you know, not just gays and lesbians, but all the different iterations becoming more empowered and more visible. And then you get to that point where it's like, okay, it starts, you know, are, is there a point, when do all those groups like uh, – um, focus their energy as equally on the group as the individuals. I think we're kind of experiencing that in politics right now. This this potential threat of of identi- identity politics sort of you know challenging you, you know especially when you have the the real threat the the threat the the name that, that will not be spoken. Like that's the threat, you know, and and so, you know, I hope that we're, as we've all become, you know, the job's never finished. We endlessly need more visibility mm-hmm. and to be empowered more. But, you know, sometimes it seems like, uh, um, um, it doesn't seem like, but, some, but, but it's important for us all equally to sort of uh, be as um, passionate about the group as we are about the individuals, does that make sense?
0: it does I think I have I have a follow-up question because this is so when I hear when I hear people like bring up uh, just the phrase identity, identity politics, politics it makes me it makes me like have like a physical reaction because so often I see it coming from somebody
1: who Is white and privileged.
0: Well, and also they are, they are guilty, but also they're operating from a, um, I would, if, if that person then said, so we should all operate as if the most important person is the black trans woman. Mm -hmm. Like if, if that person then said, so we have to go for, so we have to go as far out in, in terms of protecting our family, like we have to reach for the person who has, who's the most in danger, um, then I would be like, yeah, cool. Like I can erase my own identity if if it means I'm making space for someone with less privilege. I, I never hear that second sentence and but- that's why it makes me lose my mind because it usually feels like it's like, we're all at this place. Can we love each other? And I'm like, well, some people
1: are being left out of this concept which i i totally understand and agree and support that and also there is this this threat to our democracy that's looming and and will take advantage of of any anything and anyone they can it's like we're we're sort of and that's who i believe we may potentially be at war with you know so so i absolutely it, it, it no no one should or hopefully knock wood will be left behind but you know i think i i think there's uh um i think we're at war and it's important to identify the enemy
0: right i mean i i like i think that I think this is the—what we're having in this conversation right now in this, like, small debate or whatever that we're having right now, like, I just—I wish that we could—I mean, I think—I feel as strongly about it, I think, as you do, which is that I feel like we're at war, too, and I feel like I—like, I I, I see—I just—I feel that some people are on the front lines, and it's like, I—I mean, I'm—I'm not, like, super wealthy, famous human— And I am, I have, I live in a nice place and, you know, like I have, I am so aware of the places that I came from and also the people that are part of our community that are not me. And I Mm -hmm. just, I feel like, man, I wish, I wish I, uh, I just wish that for that second sentence, that's all I want. I just want that second sentence Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. of somebody saying, and by the way, when I say like, we don't get to have. Our, our identities matter so much. The identity that like I will protect the most is the most vulnerable. But yeah. and if that j- if just that existed, I would yeah. like relax. It, my, all my defenses would go down. Mm-hmm. I know my body would change. Like mm-hmm. if I just want. So if there's any white men that are running for office that are listening, <laughs> just <laughs> say that second sentence and I will calm down. You can get. Uh-huh. I will be on your side. <laughs>
1: Uh-huh. But Does that I make think, sense? But, yeah. it, but I also think it's not necessarily an anti-identity politics stance. It's more like a pro, like like, you know, time to be really strategic. It's like, you know, it makes me sick, like, seeing the evangelicals, like, sort of race to have their Bibles and boobies signed by Donald Trump. But it also demonstrates, like... That's what that's what we're all up against. Anyway, we shouldn't mm. be talking about politics. It's,
0: but I love. No, I, will, we, I mean, I think so this depressing. is. It's
1: depressing. It's all I ever do. Well, but I do think. Is I mean, it all you
0: ever do? Is this is it's this a lot. A, is Randy's this a, a political
1: junkie. This is a conversation.
2: Randy, Randy goes to life. sleep with with CNN on, and I'm no, like, don't, Randy, don't, don't do that. It's not good
1: for is you. Is that real? Do you go to sleep with CNN? No, just sometimes when I'm out of town. <laughs> just sometimes if I'm a, in a hotel room. What a
0: like truly I I. I think I really agree with you. (laughs) Like what a, just to have that that going in your brain while you're unconscious. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. But we're all doing the best we can. Like we really are trying, we're trying to figure out what are the solutions. I also think, you know what? Uh, To me, uh, the other side, like as long as you and I don't then leave this conversation and go like, by the way, uh, we have a difference of opinion here. So let's never talk again. And your candidate isn't my candidate. If if we, I think we can also have conversation, even get riled up, and then agree at the end of the day, like, we're united. And I, I think we're also living in a time where we forget that, because everything gets so escalated, we oh, forget for sure. that you can just mm-hmm. still be friends no, with that sure. person. But, but you know. we've, all
2: been, we've all been played in a sense that this person is, is a master of divisiveness, and he is stoking yeah. hatred, and he is telling lies, and he is committing treason and an, in, an incredible number of crimes on a daily basis. And that he is like a cult leader, has this enormous amount of people in his thrall. It, it's, it's staggering and somewhat, I mean, I do find it overwhelming to think at times because I, I know a couple of Trump people and they, there's no talking to them. They have no capacity to whereas on the other side on you know we can have a we we have we can be diverse and have differences of opinion but this feels also like a time where we really have to look at what we're up against just like Randy says because there is this sort yeah. of nightmarish, cult like i mean i thought trump was bad enough but as i, I i'm a religious listener of rachel maddow and the sheer scale of corruption, the sheer number of criminals surrounding this person, is jaw-dropping. I oh mean, yeah, it, there isn't, there is no. I mean,
0: the, <laughs> you're <laughs> like the person that trained you. Maybe shouldn't be the bad guy in Angels in America. Like that's maybe like yeah, a exactly. sign that you're. If if, in a, if like a nine-hour play uh, right. was written about how your how evil your mentor is, then like right. maybe you should be president. But um, <laughs> but <laughs> I. Well, I feel like um, I do feel like the the like the rallying is going on. I look mm. at somebody like AOC, and I'm like, I'm like, I am so proud of her. I don't even, aggr- I don't even. It's not even an agreement thing. It's mm. not even like a. Yeah. It's like I can't believe what she's been able to achieve. The
2: clarity, like, oh my god, the incisiveness, god. and in a way, it's a high compliment that the the Republicans have identified as oh. her as their number one enemy, and uh, because they're right that she is their greatest threat. And she's
0: crushing it like Cr- crushing yeah, it absolutely. and i'm so impressed yeah. i'm so impressed with her wherewithal so i try to still i can try to keep that in my mind yeah. too like how does this person even exist like literally like
2: but we need a few incredible. more aocs
0: sure yeah. yeah i think that i think we're getting them yeah. like i think we got her you know mm-hmm. and from from zero from zero to one is like <laughs> <Yes>. a 100 <100% laughs> percent increase or whatever you know like it's yeah. a big
1: change and mayor pete yeah, Mayor Pete. Did you see any of that um, mm-hmm. town hall yesterday? Yeah, so you should you should Google some of him. From he had some
0: big stuff going on. Yeah. Well, I want to go back to talking about how you started your careers because I feel like, um, first of all, I love that you brought your full personalities and all your opinions. Awesome. Um, I do want to know a little bit about how you went from film school into you know getting jobs, things like that. What was did you partner as a production company immediately? Did you know you wanted to work together? How did it... What was the next step? Yeah, we knew we
2: wanted to work together pretty quickly. Um, And then then we had this sort of detour experience because we decided that, you know, when we were at film school so long ago, there really wasn't an independent film industry. This was before Sex, Lies, and Videotape. There there were no easy ways... there still aren't. But there, were, there was no alternative to Hollywood. Mm. And we recognized uh, that it would be very hard to actually be working filmmakers and doing our own thing. But then we had this sort of harebrained idea that it might be easier to be pop stars. So, <laughs> so. <laughs> Brandon, I uh,
0: love this. And I did not know this. And I'm very happy. <laughs> so we bought a
2: drum machine, a synthesizer. And I have the rare gift of being basically tone deaf. So I have no musical ability. Um, but Randy does. Randy can sing a tune, and and Harlem, I figured like Harlem. pop music is only a little bit of music, and it's a whole lot of packaging and image and what have you. You know. I
0: mean, you're not you're not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> right. No,
2: we. But yes. unfortunately, in terms okay. of our uh, career um, <laughs> we as were the Pop failed. Tarts, we're, well, I think the Pet Shop Boys somewhat took our place. You mm-hmm. know, I think it was a race to, and they they. Uh, um, and we were camped on the Pet Shop Boys, which is how kind long did hard this, to imagine.
0: How long was this? What you were doing?
2: Um, four, four years, months. pretty much. But what yeah. we were
1: successful at was getting d- deals. We got a couple publishing deals. We saved all the money. A couple and, of record deals. And, yeah, and and so World of Wonder was built out of like the first piece of furniture we bought was like a fax machine, and we invested everything into World of Wonder. So the fabulous Pop Tarts. And successful. it did pay off. Did. Uh,
2: actually, weirdly, uh, about twenty-five years later, uh, Armand van Helden. You know, Armin van Helden. Um, Who
0: is this? I, no, he's got I like
2: know he's kind of like a dance this? DJ, kind of um, big in Europe. And uh, <laughs> he sampled one. <laughs> Say of our, no more. <laughs> sampled one of our. He sampled our first record, our first single. Whoa. Without telling us. And he had a huge hit with it in Europe, and it ended up in the the trailer for um, the Zohar, the Zohan, right? Some some movie with the Sandler, the, the Adam Zohan. Yeah, Zohan movie. I know what you It's in the trailer. <laughs> so we were sitting in bed so one night, weird. and we're like,
1: "That sounds like our song," and it was.
2: Oh
0: yeah. my god!
1: So yeah. and it and he took all he took the whole melody, sampled the, the vocals, entire so. song. So we made
0: some money. On, wow. Mm-hmm.
1: For you know whatever. Mm-hmm. Wow, it, it helped us understand why people are in the music business because it can be quite profitable. Wow. And we
2: also uh, produced RuPaul's first solo album. Mm-hmm. Which S- is what? It's called Star Booty.
1: What,
0: uh, <laughs> what year are we talking
2: about? <laughs> oh, God. Um, 80, 80. I don't know, Four, five, six, seven. Six. Were you Somewhere. still
0: operating as a musical act at that yeah. point? Or yeah. had you? No, Yes, yeah. still at the same time. Yeah,
2: Operating. Might be the wrong one.
0: Well, I'm I'm (laughs) curious as if you
1: had already switched to like producers, or if you were. uh, Well, we weren't really music producers either. (laughs) We were all just doing our own thing. Like, like that was back at the time when I mean, there was no YouTube. There was public access. We were big fans of public access. We, in fact, our first the first TV series we sold was us repackaging Manhattan public access. Because we used to watch it all the time, and we were friends with all the people who had public access shows. It was like the precursor of of YouTube. And we kind of had a, a, like, that was our first hit on TV. It was for Channel 4 in the UK. And lots of our friends were in it. And RuPaul was in it. And he he was a roving reporter um, in the streets of New York, and yeah, so it's uh, so much of what we did then is not that it's like six degrees from what we do now, really.
0: I find that to be true, and I mean, I'm I'm a little bit uh, I haven't like fully had all the things connect yet, but I can see already that it's like you don't know the seeds you're sowing necessarily when you're when you're doing nothing. The yeah, the uh,
2: it's always the same. You know, like you, it's it's a bit like looking at a picture of a baby, and then you see the adult person. You're like, oh, absolutely, it's <laughs> yeah, the totally. same person, and I think that yeah you're, but also yeah.
1: in the business that we're in i think i think the longer you do it like it's designed for people not to survive i mean it's really it's a tough business and whether you're in front of the camera or behind it and i think you know and there's so much competition and i think it's you know it's just the longer you're around the the more not necessarily success, but that sort of, that you can build something. And so I think from the beginning to wherever your career goes, you do have to have a kind of strong sense of self and a strong notion of what your voice is. And if you've got that, then you and you've got some kind of um, grit to stick around and not listen to the noise... At least that's that's been our experience. Yeah. I think I think that's Rue, you know, Rue certainly, you know, Rue's been around for like thirty years. Right. And if you look at videos of him back in the eighties when we're all in New York, he's saying everybody says love. His message has been completely consistent. Yeah. His point of view has been if you completely can't love consistent. yourself. Yeah. How in the hell are you gonna love somebody else?
0: Well, the other thing uh, that I that kind of speaks to your point that I didn't realize when I started like, you know, I started in college and then, like, was doing improv, and my f- the first time I ever did stand-up, um, I, like, emailed—I don't know, I was very gutsy. I emailed the people that had the biggest show in Boston, which is where I was living at the time, like, the most popular, like, cool, hip show, and I was just like, I definitely do stand-up. By the way, I— had no, Like, zero times was the number awesome. I had done it before. Uh, but I was working professionally. And as, impro- as an improviser, I was really young and just had, like, bravado. So I showed up and did five minutes. And it went, like, how your first five minutes goes or whatever. It was fun. It was fine. Whatever. But I didn't realize, like, more people aren't added to the mix. Like, there's people added that are younger or newer or whatever. But the the people you start with, you are with them forever. Like, I know those guys – now you know like Uh I still like I didn't realize when I lied to them (laughs) that I was like gonna be some amazing comic that I would have to see them for like the next 15 year you know like or or whatever and I think that that's another thing you know you're talking about meeting Rue then and like having these early experiences still working together now it's that's my inclination is Mm -hmm. that you're you do work with people for whatever, for, 30 years. You yeah. just, it's just, there's not more people. People aren't slotted in at the top, like with uh-huh. 30 years of experience and, that you don't know. You and, just know them. At
1: and point. they're going to tend to call the people who not, are, not only are the most talented, but also are going to show up and do the work because a lot of people, oh, that's right, yeah. a lot of the, there are some people who are talented who don't show up or show up, you know, and it's like, oh my God, you know, it's like a pain to get the work out of them or whatever. So yeah. It's all part of the same, at least our experience. I mean, there are, there are incredibly difficult people who survive, but <laughs> we, we're in the life is too short category.
0: Back for another game. You know it. What's going on?
1: Just one more week till Max Fun Drive.
0: <laughs> Hard to believe.
1: Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check.
0: What? Hang on. So you went from making that, uh, I guess maybe clip, clip show for, mm-hmm. for Channel 4, and what was the next step? You're still living in New York at the time?
2: Yeah, no, because we, uh, we'd moved out of our sixth floor walk up in the East Village and we'd got this loft and the front part was the office and the back part was where we lived. So when that series came to an end, we were like, we need something else because we got to pay the rent. And um, so it was sort of, uh, um, I think the next big thing we did was... Um, LA stories, right? When we, the L.A. riots happened and and triggered by the Rodney King, that amazing, horrific Rodney King videotape. And we were like, there seems to be something going on, like this whole sort of, uh, at the time people called it the camcorder revolution. And so we, we came out here to L.A. and we gave ooh, like 10 people video cameras. And for a year they made video diaries about their lives Living in LA, and it was called LA Stories, and we wove them all these stories together into a three-hour documentary for the BBC.
0: Oh my god, that's an incredibly cool project. <laughs> I like love that. It was that's great. awesome. What an interesting.
2: Yeah, and one of the one of the people idea. in the, I mean, they're all they're all incredible people. One of the people um, is a helicopter news reporter now. Who's no, who's Zoe Turr. Who's Zoe is, Zoe and Marika are the parents of... Katie Ta. Wow. Wow.
0: Wow. Look at the... That's also, I love the DIY um, aesthetic that you are talking about too. Because I think about, you know, something... And actually, even (laughs) Drag Race has had like a huge evolution. um, Because it's the piece of your work I'm like the most familiar with. Like from the... Way it looked, uh, <laughs> yes. At the beginning, right. to how yeah. it looks now, huge evolution. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you made a face. What's the face?
1: Well, that first season, we call it the first, yeah, the the lost season, right? the lost a little season.
0: vaseline. Yes,
2: yes.
1: yes. And that. <laughs> it's
0: famous. But, but like that's.
2: But it's all punk, really, isn't it? It's yeah, all that of, makes sense. It, it, what it has, the DNA that it has in common is this sort of do-it-yourself aesthetic.
0: Also, you saying uh, we loved public access. I mean, I'm not saying I'm not trying to shit on the show, but like no. early, you know, this this the way it's staged. Like I, I can see a connection there yeah. in terms mm. of like the, um, the openness and like the we're just like you that public access brings to the table that makes it so fun to experience, and then early seasons of, of, like now you watch it and it looks, I think, a little out of reach. Like it looks like the cameras are so, like everything's so high definition and everything's, Mm -hmm. it's so uh, sleek that it's like, well, this isn't my house or whatever. This isn't Mm my bar down the street. But like initially it kind of looked like that. This is a bar I could go to.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, the control room was in a closet the first (laughs) season for real. But But I think that's what's been so
2: exciting about, youtube coming along is that it's proven to that actually production values don't really matter that much yeah you know if you have a strong voice or or point of view or can just compelling that's all that really matters and and i think you know i love the way drag race looks don't get me wrong but i i just think that always it's about what's at the core of it is compelling voices and stories and and often the most compelling are the ones that have been excluded because no one has heard them till this point because the mainstream, so-called mainstream media, has sort of said, well, you don't belong. And I think uh, Dragos, obviously, Dragos always existed. When Dragos hasn't created anything, it's taken this existing, pre-existing medium and just given it a slightly larger platform.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's actually why... And like I, have, I mean, this maybe wasn't intentional. This was maybe just the budget that you had. But I actually think that's why it's kind of nice that it started. Yeah. Not right? not flashy and shiny, because that would feel. I think that would feel, um, like well, disrespectful. Almost, it couldn't have happened to just pop into you know like like yeah, it couldn't have happened because
2: no, if there, there was there spending was nothing, a huge yeah. amount of money on right. it, no TV executives wouldn't leave it alone. They would have to like you know, yeah. it would have to make it like everything else. You know, what a weird.
0: What a weird um, show to also make at, in terms of the technology change that that y'all have had to absorb. Like you mean just, like
1: high definition? Like high definition.
0: <laughs> like high definition <laughs> and also just the way that we – like the cameras are so nice. Our TVs mm-hmm. are like prohibitively – like you cannot watch some shows because it's like prohibitively terrible to watch this movie from this era or whatever. Mm-hmm. How How have you – dealt with that? Like, does that feel like an interesting thing to absorb as a show?
1: Well, I think we're really good. We spend a lot of energy on lighting. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, because it is, because you do, I mean, you want to be respectful and you want people to look good on that show and that's their art form. So, so I think it's good that the show's evolved and it is glossier as the whole sort of world of drag has sort of become more you know, embraced. I think it's sort of. Uh, I think I, you know we do sort of make an effort to 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 make it feel a little more aspirational. Which mm. I mean, the weird thing is, we are obsessed. Like I think we consider ourselves documentarians. So much of even even our glossiest, you know, like our Bravo shows, um, like Million Dollar Listings or Backyard Envy, they're they. The reason we're attracted to something or at the heart of everything we do, and when I say we, I mean like lots of other people because there's like we, there are all these incredibly talented people who work at World of Wonder. There are like lots of like, you know, artists who work there. But it's all about authenticity. It's like that's why we're obsessed with public access, that's why we make documentaries. It's, it's, and every, even the glossiest of what we do is all trying to get to the heart of, like, the authentic nature of an individual or of a scene or whatever. So, and I think, you know, it's fun. That's the kind of jigsaw puzzle of 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 balancing those things. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Sort of. That makes sense. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you're you're balancing in in authenticity. That's also something that I think uh, everybody's been balancing because our phones have gotten so rad at obscuring what we look like, at also showing what we look like. Like our cameras are so good, but then we can filter the shit out of whatever and we can put it up. And so I just think this is like what you're talking about doing. Trying to figure out what your authentic your authentic voice is, balancing that with something that's entertaining. That's like, it doesn't even matter who's listening to that. You, could, you could, who's listening to this, you could be like a lawyer or whatever. You actually have still been trying to balance that in the last like ten years because our our lives have changed so much in terms of what we're presenting. Hmm. Um, you know, like if 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 Drag Race didn't exist, um, Queens would still have to have different makeup now because mm-hmm. they would be sharing. Pictures elsewhere, you know. Um, so it's like yours yeah. is a great example of that, but it's like something we've all been balancing how to how to stay. We've all got to be honest. ready
2: for high definition,
0: right? It's got to be ready for high <laughs> definition. <laughs>
2: but also, we you know it, we're we're in also an age of illusion, and I think that it, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing at all. I mean, and like just just because you know the film you're making is always you just think of everything in through that filter. But like you know, the Statue of Liberty. It looks like it's this massive thing, and it's hollow. And that isn't to say that it's (laughs) fake. It's just there is an element of illusion to it. And I think that is so particular to our culture. You know, I think that's the whole American experience is to some degree about illusion. Not necessarily about faking something, but about creating something out of nothing. Mm -hmm. And creating is just... Uh, creating an image and putting an image out there, and absolutely at this point, anybody can do that with a phone and Instagram and face tuning. I mean, the face tuning features are just incredible—how you can change how you look. It's true. It's Pretty amazing.
0: It's true. I mean, in my in my particular uh, side of things, it's an interesting it's an interesting time to be a stand up comic because your face has to actually be like so honest. You, I think, you cannot we i uh, I don't think you can get work like a an actor could and not ha- and not not talk about it like you have to you have to be pretty honest about that I also think you can't really like face tune your your photos and then show up on stage and look really different Uh than that. Like, it's just a very specific (laughs) time because I I think like you have to be able to use all the different face, the parts of your face to make expressions. Mm -hmm. You have to match up to your promotional stuff. And we're living in an era where like, there is a bit of a divide there Uh between what you're presenting and what you actually are showing up like. And for comics, it's like, you gotta be trusted. You gotta be a trusted source. There's Mm -hmm. literally, otherwise you, none of your jokes will work. So that's different. Like for instance, Mm -hmm. Like, Trixie Mattel is, like, in a slightly different category. Like, she can show up <laughs> looking, like, fully, well, uh, right.
2: I'm, you oh, know. Well, right. Bianca D'Aria, yeah. you know, Bianca's exactly. like, I'm a clown in a gown. And yeah. it's like, that is an outfit. That is like a jester's yeah. uniform. It, it is a license to say and do anything, right. you know.
0: Right. So how do you feel um, this point in your career and, like, you've got all this other stuff coming up, but but you've also had some real success i mean how do you feel like for instance if you popped in at, dra- at a drag con or something and saw like the effect and it's obviously it's i'm not saying that you are the creators of drag you've already said that you are not that but i just mean seeing the effect of a show that you've made like what does that what does that feel like for the two of you mm-hmm. or or any other work that you bring out that has like some large effect on you
1: know it, like, i that? i don't I don't think we think, I think we think about the work more than the impact or mm. the effect. And it's so much work to do the work. It's like <laughs> when you're done doing the work, you know, you're busy putting the kids to bed or something like that. So, so um, maybe, maybe I would feel less this way if we had no success. You know what I mean? So maybe I'm not. Expressing enough gratitude, but it really does seem like. I, I, but I think even the, the many years that we've been <laughs> unsuccessful, we've always been about the work. Mm. Like, just because that's what turned us on. And so. It is all about the work, really. Yeah. It's so always I, like, you remember
2: that ad? What was that ad for? Time to make the donuts. And there was this person. That was for Dunkin'
0: Donuts. All mm-hmm. right. It's just <laughs> time, time to make the, the donuts. donuts. It's so,
2: always time to make the donuts. And that's the kind of like, I mean, it's. It's great if people get something from it, but it's just time to make the donuts, you Mm. know?
0: Maybe we have different experiences of this because I am the public face of the thing I create. Yes. Mm. And so that's also a very different thing. Like maybe some other people are getting some feedback that you... Cause it's, it's not even feedback you seek out. It's like, I'm bombarded by positive feedback. Not in I, bombarded sounds like it's, <laughs> well, that's but it nice. does no, but feel sometimes nice. aggressive. No, like, yeah, it does feel sometimes like overwhelming. Cause I'm just like a dumb idiot that then goes home and like has a dog or whatever, you know, like I know what my r- r- life is and I know who I am. And so when people are grateful to your face, sometimes you're like, I can't even process this. I'm just a normal guy. Just like you. But that might be something you don't you don't experience as much because you're not the faces of the thing mm-hmm. that you do, of the things that you do.
1: I think that's true. I think there's a lot of truth to that. And and I also think, you know, there are, you know there are just so many other people that that, you know, the things that many of the things that we make are with many other people. Mm-hmm. So um we just you know, we pay the rent on the building mm-hmm. and make sure we just got a popcorn machine at World of Wonder. <laughs> I pretty love, exciting.
0: I love that it sounds <laughs> like it sounds like you uh you know, started hoping for like long a long term collaborative feeling from each other and then also from the projects that you're working on. It it sounds like you've gotten that. I mean, I've heard you say a number of times how, how awesome the people are that you work with and like how, how connected you feel to that. That's an awesome, you know, you're, you're business owners and you feel grateful for the people that you work with. That's a rare position for business owners. You know, I don't really? know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I don't know if everybody, I don't know if I always hear everybody on like the Fortune 500 being like, do you know what I love about my job? <laughs> <laughs> the, the like incredible team I have around me. I hear that from people in our industry a little bit more.
1: Well, I think part of the the reason, I I think that's part of what makes us able to do what we do and why World of Wonder is so special and why we continue to be independent. It's that whole thing of like, you know, and even the fact, we were just talking about this recently, like that we do, um, we call them docu, uh, docu series or reality series and we do documentaries. It's that mix of doing things that I think makes it, a different place for people to work at. And a lot of people there have aspirations of being filmmakers. And when we can... And they bring that to whatever they're doing, you know, whether they get the opportunity. You know, there's a number of, like, people who are directing documentaries for us at World of Wonder or whether they're show running and they're actually filmmakers. You know, it's there aren't a lot of places in L.A., I think, where you can do that... Uh, Unless you're doing it completely on your own, which becomes this whole other sort of burden.
0: So maybe what you're saying is keeping the focus like on the art sort of thing, side of things also a yeah. little bit
1: when we can, or the yes. skill, like having yes. the skill
0: being the focus. That's pretty cool. For for um, I'm going to send you on your way in just a moment, but for. Uh, for one last hurrah as we, before we go out into our days, I wanted to ask you both if you could shout out a queero, which is like person or it could be a place you went or something. Oh, queero.
2: Oh, queero. I get it. I was like, I do on thinking of like Cheerio like cereal. I know, but I was like. Hero. Right. It is a portmanteau. I finally got it. Queero. I'm so sorry. Yes, I've been well, thinking about it a whole Can whole it
1: be part. a place? Yeah, it can be. Okay, yes. Okay. Well, because oh. the, the queero for me would be the pyramid. Yeah. Because the Pyramid was this club in the East Village on Avenue A between 6th and 7th Street. And um, we just met so many amazing people there, from Lady Bunny to Sister Dimension to drag queens and artists and Ethel Eichelberger. Uh, Ethel Eichelberger. And Fenton and I used to go there for happy hour on a regular basis. And it... Even to this day, when I think about a night in the pyramid, it's like more exciting than like going to the Academy Awards or the Emmy Awards. <laughs> There's more stars there than you'll ever find at a red carpet in Hollywood.
0: And it no longer exists. You know, I it, think it, it
1: still does, does is it exist, there? but it's Actually. not the same. Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I guess my
2: queerer would be is RuPaul, but also I, I always go I go back further than that though to uh, when I was six years old and. The f- I just, my life changed when I saw Batman and Robin on TV. You know, Adam West and Oh, my Westenberg. God, this is Whoa. awesome.
0: Nobody's said Batman that, and Robin yet. Absolutely,
2: that. my queerest, because it was the first time I was like, oh, there's a whole other world out there. First of all, i never seen anything as camp in my life, actually before and certainly pretty much since, really. And... Um, It was just that Carla, it was a crazy, ridiculous show, but it, I think, has been a singular influence. And I think, uh, I was just, there was some article about Adam West in the, you know, on the, doing the rounds just recently. Um, He's kind of a great guy. And I just love that show. So, that's my...
0: I'm sure the answer to this is yes, but... (laughs) Have you been to the like bat caves? Yes. What was yes, your what was course. that experience like? Oh, I'll say for listeners, they're in Griffith Park here. Um and there's like a there's like a our central park or whatever. There's mm. a huge area of open land uh, that's also mountainous here in LA. And in there is the the bat the cave that the Batmobile like drove out of at the beginning at of the, the show. beginning no, 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 you can no, no, go no, see no, no, it no, no. it's yes. very easy very easily accessible from trails
2: and instantly recognizable and the, the first time I went there I had no idea I wasn't even looking for it I didn't I was oh my like oh god. my god I'm basically god. about to burst into tears. I had chills I had chills I was like <gasps> You know <laughs> oh my um, god so yeah
0: did you take a photo did, what did you do did I you walk have, into it what I did walked, you do
2: I walked into it and through it oh my god disappointingly dear listeners it doesn't lead to the back it end. just leads <laughs> to another
0: beautiful open <laughs>
2: yes yeah.
0: oh man that I'm so glad to hear that story that is that's going to carry me through the rest of the day just thinking about you discovering that well thank you so much thank Andy you Randy and Fenton I really appreciate you being here and uh, have a great rest of your day
2: thank, thank you